Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Right, so we're here in the Grove, which is the home of the Seattle Seahawks, and coming up we have Darren. Well, it's a special podcast today, isn't it? Because we normally kind of look back and look forward and do the numbers and all that kind of thing. But because we're here today at the Seahawks Team Hotel, we're going to talk to Walter Jones. I've had a conversation with him. You've ambushed Jacob Green. Yeah, now when you say ambushed, I kind of freaked out Jacob Green, former defensive end of Seattle Seahawks, iconic player, let's be honest. And we'll get into details as to why and how I freaked him out. And when I say freaked him out, he was very nervous. He took a step back. The last time he was that concerned, Jimbo Covert was blocking him on the 85 Bears. We've also got David Tossel with us from the NFL office too because there's so much work that goes into these weeks. and These guys have got three on the trot for the first time ever. It's gone from one game in the rain, the Giants and the Dolphins, to four. Now we're to three, but now we've got three in a row. So we're going to talk to Dave about exactly what happens in the NFL office around these, these really busy weeks, how these games get put on and the kind of work that goes on behind the scenes. And also, Vern, always love it when this happens, he's got a William Perry story that he's going to share with us today. I'm intrigued. Time. World exclusive. I'm intrigued. Well, let's talk to you straight away. Uh, uh, Dave Tossel. Hi, Dave. No, this is, this is really strange because um, we're all friends, but yeah... Uh, you have a very, very, very important position in the NFL UK office. So just tell all the Fumbleites what you do. That's very kind of you, Vern. I'm uh, head of public affairs. So that means I handle all the media relations and all of our stakeholder relations. Basically, it means I'm responsible for the publicity for the NFL in the UK. So arranging all the kind of media stuff that the teams do during the week is a big part of what I do. All right, so let's take... Let me paraphrase that, right? Anybody who needs anything in the NFL office... Ring Dave. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you do. You, you ring Dave, and then he makes it happen. He's just really good at that. I mean, that's just, that's just what it works. So he does everything in there. So, like, all right, so, so basically we've established that Dave Tossel is what gangsters call a cleaner in the NFL office. <laughs> yeah, I've got a problem. Right, cold Dave. Dave will sort it out. Right, so Dave, first thing we'll do is let's take a blank calendar. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's nothing in the diary. We've just finished, let's say, international... Series for 2017. We're looking forward to 2018. What happens? What is the first phone call that's made regarding the following international series? 
By the time we've finished these games, the first phone calls have already happened. So the discussions about which teams we might get over are already going on. Um, the first confirmation we get is which home teams are going to be playing next year. Then as a UK office, we get a chance to chip in on who we would like them to be playing. We obviously get to see their schedule, see who the big teams are. And so, for example, with the, the Raiders and the Seahawks this year, the Seahawks were one of the big teams we'd never had over here. So they were the, the team that we said, look, we'd like that game. And then there's a bit of negotiation goes on. We finally get to know which games we, we want to play. And then they kind of get thrown into the mix for the, the NFL schedulers. And that becomes more complicated every year. When we just had one game, they, it was easy for them to say a year in advance, right, we'll have that game on that day. Now that we're doing three or four games a year, it's a much more difficult process because as soon as you start locking in three or four games in the calendar, it reduces the number of permutations you have for the rest of the calendar. So it becomes more difficult. So we'll get to know the games later this year, early next year. And then, but then we have discussions about when we're going to sell the tickets, how we're going to sell it and start on the promotional plans. Oh, it's, I mean, it really is a domino effect, isn't it? First phone call is made. It's a collective decision as to what teams you want, as in the NFL UK office. And then with that decision comes what the NFL can offer. And then I guess it's all down to the owners and it's all down to scheduling. So there's a lot of elements in the equation. Yeah, and I think what people don't realise, and it's astonishing really, and it's a real credit to these guys, it's not a big office. There's not a great deal of people in there. You know, you kind of think if they took the Premier League to America, you can imagine how many people would be involved in that process. Well, it's funny you should say that. I was given the opportunity to go to the Golf Channel, which is uh, based in, uh, in Orlando, right? NBC office, and NBC Golf Channel. It's four times bigger than this BBC building in London. And that's just for one channel, NBC's Golf Channel. It's ridiculous. And this is a fact that when we talk about the NFL office, and we often reference it on the podcast, that's exactly what it is. It's not an office block. It's an NFL office. It's these guys working around the clock with passion, commitment, determination, and it's the same people with a small number of additions that were there at the very start when it was first being talked about having an NFL game. And then we got the Giants against the Dolphins in the rain and we all loved it. And we thought, where can it go? And all of a sudden you think, well, there must be hundreds working on it now. Well, it's not. It's the same guys doing the same thing. And as the NFL have grown over here and the number of games has increased over here, They've had to exponentially develop with it, and it's a real testament to them that they've not had to go and draft in another 50 to make it work. It's, this is, these are just the same people that we've had a relationship for a long, long time that have made this happen for everybody. I think one of the things is a lot of us who work for the NFL, we kind of fell into the NFL almost by accident because it was a passion of ours, and so we kind of suddenly landed on you know, the dream job almost. I mean, I've been with the NFL for 23 years and been a massive fan of it before that and you know people like Alistair Kirkwood who's been there nearly 20 years you know we all have a real passion for the sport you kind of get up in the morning you think okay what would I rather be doing well actually there isn't anything this is what I enjoy doing and I think that's kind of that does that helps drive you through these periods like when you've got three weeks back-to-back games you know it's going to be long hours and because because we do love it I've got a question for you Dave so when you walked into the door for day one in your new job 23 years ago what did you think the NFL would be? Oh, I thought you were going to say, which hat did you grab first? <laughs> there were none left because Crossy had all that. <laughs> well, I mean, when I first started, it was NFL Europe League, World, World League days. I mean, that was kind of my remit. It was how were we going to get 
more than seven or eight thousand people into the old White Hart Lane to watch the London Monarchs, and more than seven or eight thousand people into Murrayfield to watch the Scottish Claymores. And that is it basically is a sign of how far we've come because now we're working on a daily basis with Tottenham about their new stadium, and we know that we're going to sell it out multiple times. So you know, that's, it shows how far it's come. The International TV sorry, it started in in two thousand and seven. We still talk about the Wembley Games, American balls, and this, that, and the other one. Like literally 87 players were stood on the sideline. I'll never forget the day I watched the Cowboys and the Bears. That was my first ever trip to Wembley in the rain in 86. And I walked in and somebody had said to me, wait till you hear the Wembley roar. And I got to the stadium as the teams came out, really, and heard the Wembley roar. And that was my. And I remember thinking at the time, this is absolutely amazing. I don't think I've ever experienced a sporting event that changed my mind like that. Because they were, I was, what would I be? I'd have been 13 at the time. And that these were people that were over there. They weren't in my country. They were, I was never going to see. America was like this mythical dream at the time. I'd never <laughs> been. I wasn't going to go. And all of a sudden, Jim McMahon's down there and the fridge is down there. And that was like that, that moment for me that I thought, wow, this is, this is really special. And, it, and it's all credit to everyone, uh, speaking of the Wembley Roar, because Dan has just done uh, an NFL UK Live session with the Seattle Seahawks. And it's always referenced how Wembley is the closest these players are going to get to a Super Bowl. Mm. Now, that is a massive compliment. It's huge. But, Dave, let me ask you, of all the games we've had since 2007, is the one issue that always crops up that's always a problem? Because I know travel plugs and passports have yeah, been an issue ticket. on a regular your basis. Ticket. No, that's sorted now. Your ticket. My tickets are sorted. They've arrived. I'm all right. I'm not sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. are. I want to sit in the Queen's box. Um, but... Travel plugs and passports were a, a, a major issue at, at first, right, back in 2007, 8 and 9. But is there one thing that keeps cropping up that's still, not necessarily ironed out, but that the, the teams can't get their heads around? I mean, passports is still a problem. I mean, every time we, we know which teams are coming over, the first thing we do, to the, we say to the operations guys at those teams, right, go through your roster, check that everybody's got a passport, and still about a third of each roster, those guys won't have passports. So we have to kind of get that done quickly. And then there isn't really one problem that comes up or one issue that comes up because as much as we might feel, okay, we've done this so many times, we know what we're doing, every single team is different. So we've got teams staying here, the Seahawks staying here at this particular hotel. We've had multiple teams stay here before. But this week, or these few days, will be very different to previous teams who have stayed here because every coach wants to do things a different way. They want their meeting rooms laid out a different way. They want a projector at this side of the room and not that one. They want this meeting room next to that meeting room. So everything is different. So you can never think, right, here's the template for how we do it. This is what you guys are going to do this year because every team will say, no, that's sorry, that's not the way we do it. We, we want to do it our way. And that's, that's important. We have to make sure that the teams come over here and it's as close to home as they can possibly get. You know when you, you, you have the conversations with New York because obviously you kind of, as you, as you touched on earlier, you put your requests in and then they come back with what they can deliver and, and, and the conversations go from there. Give, give us a bit of insight here. Do you ever say to them, are we getting a franchise then or what? I mean, is, it, is that how it would go? What's that protocol going to be like when you develop it and when you go, when you went from one game to two and then from two to four? Is that you guys going, we can do more here or we're ready to go again here? Or is that a director that comes from New York that you've got a plan and there's a staging post for everything and you're working to these goals all the time? Just how does that, how do you grow it? Is it, is it a request from London or is it New York driving that? How does that work? Just, just give us some insight into that. It's a little bit of both, to be honest. I mean, when we play the first game, 
we were told if it goes well, we might get another one three or four years' time. That's kind of the impression that in we three had. or four years' time, so really, kind of what we thought it would be. Um, it went so well that we got another one. We weren't we weren't sure when we would move up to two, but then. It's a mixture of us kind of pushing, saying, look, we think we can do more. We think there's a fan base here and a mixture of New York's saying, look, why don't you try this? We're lucky that our ownership and our senior management in New York are so supportive of what we do over here that, you know, when Alistair Kirkwood knocks on the door and makes a call and says, look, I think we'd like to try this, you know, he's... They listen to him. And He's very proactive, isn't he, when it comes to the NFL UK office and what we want to do over here, Alistair? Yeah, I mean, Alistair knows what the fans want and, and you know, he knows what is achievable here and, you know, we, we keep pushing him and it keeps growing. I nearly killed Alistair once, you know. Really? Yeah. Genuinely, not, 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 not in an aggressive way. We did, me and Crossy, he's just... Did you, did you accidentally knock an iron into his bath? It, it was nearly that. It was almost that. It was really? almost that. Yeah, it's that kind of concept. So we did the NFC Championship game in Candlestick Park, which the fact they knocked it down was a good thing. So Crossy and me got there the day before the game, and the 49ers had assured us that we could do the commentary on the radio in the stadium. When we got there, we couldn't find where we were supposed to be. So then I found a lead sticking out the end zone, just on the floor. And I said to Crossy, I think this is us. He went, this is stupid. I said, it is. I said, I bet you, because I can't, there's nowhere else. So we, we fetched the media guy and said, he went, yeah, that's you. So there's a lead on the floor behind the end zone. So I said, well, what do we do? You know, we'll just stand there. We've got nowhere else to put you. And we said, but the cheerleaders are going to be in front. I can't see the game. All oh, right. I said, so what shall we do? He said, well, go and have a look around. If you can find somewhere, come back to me, and I'll tell you if you can go there. So we're walking round and round Candlestick Hang on, he'll give you free swim of the yeah. stadium? He said, if you can find anywhere, bear in mind you can't go any, in any of the media facilities, none. They're all gone. So you've got to go and find a perch somewhere that you can sit and you can broadcast from. NFC Championship game, Giants 49ers. So me and Crossy start walking around the stadium. We're finding all kinds of different things. He's back now so he can verify this. So we eventually... We're, at, we're in Candlestick Park. We nearly killed Alistair. Oh, yeah. We nearly killed Alistair. So uh, we eventually see this... There's a big scoreboard behind the end zone. And it was either me or Simon said to each other, why, why don't we sit there? Because there was like a, a, a ledge on the scoreboard. But we're thinking that they won't let us go there. So we've said, what about there? And the bloke went, well, you could, but there's a camera there. So you, it's a camera position. Then we see him move the camera. So he's gone, you can go there now. They've moved the camera. So we're thinking, wicked. We're going to be sat in the scoreboard at Candlestick Park doing the NFC Championship game. So we get there. So set to Crossy. Oh, Crossy's gone because he's all technical cross. He thinks outside the box. He's gone, where are we going to put the gear? Oh, I don't know. No table or anything. Right? So we found a, a decorator's table behind the scenes <laughs> yeah. at Candlestick Park. Because underneath the stadium there, there's everything. Rubbish everywhere. We have to lift the decorator's table up onto the shelf. But to get there, you've got to go through a door. And then you had to climb up a wall. But the door that you went through had got the lightning sign on because you weren't supposed to go in. It was raining, so we got into the electricity box in the rain with a decorator's table, climbed up the wall. We then had to get across about a three-and-a-half, four-foot gap where it was just to drop down with the table to get onto the scoreboard to set it up. So we get set up and away we go. Alistair's come out because she likes to come and do the NFC Championship game with us. Yeah, yeah, come and find this. We'll be great. We're on the scoreboard. So when we get there on the day, there's Alistair across this four-foot gap, piddling down with rain, electrics all round him, trying to get across to the decorator's table where we're, un- we're under the 
decorated table, getting soaked through. We've got carrier bags over all the gear, but we're right above the end zone. One slip from Alistair at that stage. The NFL wouldn't have existed in the UK <laughs> as it did. That did he make it? He made it. He spent the entire day with us, and we were at the end of the stadium where Lawrence Tynes kicked the winning field goal in overtime to send the Giants to the Super Bowl. That was our end of Candlestick Park. And I'm pretty sure that if you ever see a shot behind Lawrence Tynes looking at the post, you will see me and Crossy and Alistair, and I think Greg Brady as well, sat on the scoreboard commentating in the rain with carrier bags all over the place. Brilliant. That is a classic. Dev, let's come back to you. You guys are, are obviously so pro the fans. You do so much for the fans. What little niggles are the, are, 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 that you're aware of are the fans still mourning about? Because we try and iron everything out, don't we, on the podcast. Say, we're very supportive of you guys. What, what one thing do you think the fans get a little bit moody about? Don't mention Game Pass. No, we've, we've done that. We've cleaned that. We've put that to bed. We've fixed it. Alistair Kirk fixed it himself. But that's the one. I know. Is it still Game Pass, Dave? <laughs> no. I, I, do you know what, the thing that's always come up right from the year one that I've been working with the NFL's merchandise? People over here would just love more and more merchandise. The problem is... Hang on a minute! <laughs> Hang on a minute. Can I, stop, stop, stop. If you're an NFL fan, right, and you're mourning to the NFL UK office about not enough merchandise, you want to ask yourself a lot of questions. And this Listen, is from me. This isn't from Dave, right? This is, this is, sweet, this is personal. One second. Me. I know where you can buy it. Whatever you want as an NFL fan, whatever merchandise you think you need, it's out there. Yeah. You don't have to look far. So stop mourning about that to the NFL office. What we've done, a, a tried to do a better job over in the last few years, is making sure more of that is available in the UK so you can get it at a reasonable price without having to pay a whole load of shipping duty to get it in, which used to be... I understand that, but still... For people, for people who don't know now, you used to have to, as Dave said, the shipping costs were the problem. So you buy a sweatshirt for 40 quid and you'd spend another 120 to get it shipped over. And three weeks later, it arrived, and you're thinking, I paid 160 quid for this, it doesn't fit. Now, NFL Shop Europe has all of that stuff, all the branded gear, all the Nike stuff, all that kind of thing. It's all on there. It's not quite as big a range as you'd get on the NFL store from the US. But all the stuff you see the guys wearing on game day is all on there. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's the kind of stuff that we tried to kind of fix in the last few years. And I think, yeah, thanks to... Thank you for the comments. I think we are kind of getting there. And one hundred percent. Yeah. My wardrobe tells you you're there, because because I'm too tight to pay for the US shipping costs. Oh, yeah. Half of it's in my storage unit. I don't wear it because it's so like I'm a proper nerd. I'm like, yeah, I love that. It looks wicked. You get it home, you put it on, it fits. It looks shocking. You know what I mean? Some of the retro jackets. Yeah, you're like, well, mm, we'll not really. Jackets, I know, not really. I can't, I can't really walk down the high street in this 1968 retro Patriots <laughs> jacket. You know, that's <laughs> made out of that's made out of silk. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> dreadful. Uh, but but Dave, uh, on behalf of all the fans, you know, I think your office deserve a massive doff of the cap and a pat on the back because your work is continuous. And I don't think you guys are going to rest on your laurels. I think it's going to get better and better, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, we 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 want to play more games. It's not for us to say when or whether we're going to get a franchise. It's obviously a big talking point. Um, but we feel that we've kind of got... The, Mark Waller was saying this earlier this week. We feel like we've got the UK ready for when an NFL owner decides, I want to move a team there. And that's, that's as much as we can do. We have a UK sporting calendar. And there are certain things on that that are almost sacrosanct. So you've got Wimbledon, the British Grand Prix... The FA Cup. Grand National. Grand National, these kind of things. The Derby. Bolton Blackburn. Bolton Blackburn. I, I think now that these NFL weekends are now a staple part of that. I think the biggest testament you can give 
is that now it's part of the British sporting calendar, that we expect to see it there, and it's not a surprise anymore. It's part and parcel of what we do. And I think at the outset, that always looked to me to be the most difficult thing because it's a game from overseas. It's a sport from overseas. It's not what we do over here. But I think it's, it's become part... Do you get the feeling? That yeah, like- I mean, that kind of brings me back to the old story that I was going to tell you about the fridge because, you know, as I said, when I first started here, we were trying to get 8,000 into White Hart Lane. Now we know that we're going to sell 80,000 plus multiple times every it's more year. than an England game, Dev. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's, a, it's a great testament to, to what we've done, managed to achieve over the years and a great testament to the way that the fans are just so loyal and so passionate. How do you guys make or get the authorities to agree to make Wembley so much more accessible for an NFL game than it is for an England match? Because when you walk out of Wembley Way for an NFL game, the tubes, the trains just run and run and run and run. And if you don't, you, it's a constant walk into the, into the station. You never have to stand and wait. If you go and watch an England international, to try and get on a tube to get away from Wembley is a work of art. And you stand there for hours sometimes. And it's unpleasant. And you won't want to take your kids because they get barged and they get crushed and they listen to all kinds of language. But it seems to me that the infrastructure around an NFL event at Wembley, you seem to get better cooperation from the people you need to get people in and out the access. Trains from Wembley to Mayo, so every five minutes after right. the game. And they start at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Are they not for an England match, are they? No. No. I don't know. I don't, I'll be honest, I don't go watching England. But one thing we do uh, try and do is encourage people to stay around a little bit time so you stagger their, their, their exit time. So you know, we'll have games being shown on the TV screens in the stadium and uh, and you know last year when we played games at Twickenham we had a kind of post-game tailgate in which we kind of do again so we are aware that there are issues with getting out of any major stadium um, so we try and give people a reason to stay behind a little bit and kind of make that exit much more of a kind of smooth process so I walk down Wembley Way I get straight on the train and I'm away that doesn't happen if I go to a football match I, I don't know why that is no, it's never happened to me, Darren, because I'm uh, fortunate enough that I have a ticket that allows me to go... To send a car to the door to pick you up, <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of last to leave, I'll be honest with you, Darren. Many a time, I think every game, I'll be honest with you, Dave. I just want my buzzers. Just want my buzzers. Sit down the road for me. He never offers me a lift either after the end of the game. There's a shot. Come on, give us the William Perry story. Well, this is a sign of how far we've come. I joined NFL Europe one of the f- well a couple of weeks in. I was called into a, of Oliver Luck's office, president of the league, Andrew Luck's dad. He was there with the general manager, the GM, uh, GM of the London Monarchs. This is what we're going to do this year. We're going to sign William Perry, play for the London Monarchs. Great, great idea. Sounds great. What's you know? He just retired, literally just retired. So me and Oliver, we were, we were at training camp in Georgia in Atlanta. So we had to drive to William Perry's house to um, kind of meet him. And his agent said, OK, he lives in Aiken, South Carolina. What's the address? You won't need it. So just take the I-20, drive into Aiken. This isn't even the funniest part of the story. Drive, into, drive, drive down the I-20. When he gets to Aiken, you'll see his house. So we're driving down the I-20, pouring the rain, getting to Aiken, South Carolina, not the, the wealthiest of places, lots of kind of corrugated iron shacks. Suddenly, out of nowhere, like something out of the Adams family, looms this big house with turrets on one end and towers on the other end we think that has got to be his house so anyway we drive up open the door we walk in you almost fall over this grand piano right by the the uh, the, the doorway which has sort of pictures of his his children in ballet costumes and stuff up there anyway we go in we sit there William just sits in a lazy boy chair in his carpet slippers and we describe what it's going to be like 
So anyway, a few weeks later, we bring him over to, to London. That's a vision in itself. This is we the best story we've ever had on the football We bring model. him over to London for uh, some, some preview stuff and to some PR stuff. In the meantime, we've been working on his contracts. Contract stipulates, uh, William, this, is, this is comes from his wife, Sherry, Sherry Perry. Sherry Perry? <laughs> William, William must not be photographed with any adult females. I said, well, you know, we're cheerleaders. We, we, this is what we do. Said, so we changed the contract. Best efforts will be made. Comes back, crossed out, no pictures with adult females. Oh, great, great. So we're doing this PR tour. I don't know if you, people remember back then, the big breakfast used to be on, yeah. and one of the main features on it was on the bed with Lily Savage. Paul, yeah. Paul O'Grady, Lily Savage. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you're ahead of me now. You know yeah. what's coming. <laughs> we spent a, Saturday, a Sunday afternoon, I spent an entire Sunday afternoon in our office with Sherry Perry convincing her that Lily Savage was a man in a dress <laughs> and therefore it was okay for William to sit on the bed <laughs> and be interviewed. Was and Paul O'Grady aware of that? I don't know if he was, but this, <laughs> this, this was pre-internet. You couldn't just kind of Wikipedia, look, Paul O'Grady, yeah. Lily Savage character. We had to go through about wow. three different episodes. I said, look, you can see, you see, you see the Adam's apple. Oh, wow. You can see the Adam's wow. apple. Wow. Paul, lift up your skirt. Oh, just show please. William. Wow, that is hilarious. Anyway, William was a lovely guy. I mean, we had such great, great times with him. He loved being in London. He loved being around the locker room with the guys. I think he was pleased to get a few hours away from from the missus, and and he loved it. It Do do you think that those um, early London Monarchs games and the American Bulls, do you think those, is there anything in that blueprint that's still kind of the foundation of the international series? I think it, some of it, in terms of dealing with players, that the passport issues we had, it, it, we, we were aware of those kind of things going into um, these games, some of those logistic issues that we would come up with. We knew that however much you try to educate a hotel, if they've not had an NFL team here before, they don't get and don't understand how much these guys eat. You know, we would have teams who would kind of arrive in Germany for their, for their games and they were going to play there for three months they did the first dinner let's go well, that was a nice little aperitif where's where's the where's the rest of it um uh, and so that kind of stuff gave us a good learning in terms of the, the player experience it's funny adam dirty who's now he was the warriors defensive uh coach now at the atlanta falcons he told me that when he was playing uh in germany at the end of the season one of the players hired a car an estate car and he's packing all this stuff in it and Adam said dude what are you doing he went, oh, I'm going to drive home. He's like, what? He said, yeah, I'm going to drive home. It's like, there's no way I'm playing all the charges on the plane, getting my stuff from here to there. I'm going to drive. And like, do you realise where you are and that you can't drive? He's like, no, I've looked at a map. I'm going to go Sweden, Norway, and I'm going to go across the top, then Iceland, and then I'm going to drive all the way around, no. and I'll be in Newfoundland in no time. It's like... Mate, Mate, you better. You better. This is pre sat now. Yeah. So like you better just have a look where you're going. <laughs> you should check the England cricket team. Less to get to Australia in the twenties, didn't it? I know. Hilarious. And then one guy said to him, he said, uh, "Where are you from?" And they used to call it uh, LND State. All right. London. You say, oh, yeah, I'm from that. London yeah, State. LND, LND, LND State. State. Like so that. there was a running gag when they were in NFL Europe. We're from LND State. LND Where's State. that? Oh, it's in London. That's where all the fog is, right? And the vampires, <laughs> that's where you got all the time. It's crazy, isn't it? Hilarious, got, LND I've, State. I've got, I've got some news for you. Walter Jones has found himself a little local boozer. 
and he's he's been. Hey, in there. You, he is a big man. He's a big man. He, I don't he, think I yeah. don't think Dave. I mean, you've been around many American football players now, but I don't. I can't think of an American football player who's as big as he is. Jonathan Ogden. I was at the Super yeah. Bowl with Crossy. Yeah, Jonathan yeah, yeah. Ogden walked in the room, and I was physically taken aback. It was the biggest oh. human being I'd ever seen. But Walter's massive. I saw him again a few years later. He lost a lot of weight, so he's just tall. But Walter's big still, isn't he? He, he looks. Well, like look he's at the friend of the out. podcast, uh, Baselli. Yeah, when he lost a lot yeah, of weight, yeah. he looks completely different. But I was, I was, we're going to hear from Walter in a minute because I sat down and did, a, did a, a quick piece with him, and I asked him the question during um, the interview. But he was described by John Madden in 2004 as the best offensive player in the league at that time, and he was described by Mike Holmgren as the best offensive player he'd ever coached. Wow! And Mike Holmgren has coached Joe Montana, Steve Young, and Brett Favre. This, you're talking about one of the elite players you know you talk about kind of position changing players he's right in that upper echelon of left tackles I mean the stats used to come out that he'd not given up a sack for an entire season and this kind of thing it was unbelievable what a player yeah what a player so Dave we've got two more games Um, any surprises up your sleeve that you can not really tell us I know you wouldn't but is there anything we can look out for no yeah this is the NFL NFL teams don't like surprises so we've got to keep things as as straight as we can and make sure they get a great experience ask Dave which um, big name alumni is coming over next week for the Chargers there you go he just has yeah he just asked it Uh, is it Charlie Joyner no the Danian Tomlinson is in town next week oh really oh oh that could be a, that could be a little NFL Europe <laughs> retro Ladanian jersey for signature yeah. for the Hall of yeah. Fame. Gym. Word up, word up. We had him. Uh, we had him over for. Uh, I met him before. He's been over. Yeah, he yeah. came over. I tell you what, he came over. This is another interesting story. He came over in 2008 on the in the summer to do um, a promotional tour with Reggie Bush, okay. and Reggie Bush brought Kim Kardashian over with her, oh. and she was just like standing around. She was just pre sort of you know all the TV stuff. Lovely girl was just standing there waiting patiently for him to kind of get all his interviews done. And, 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 you know, and She's changed go. a bit since then. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, edit, edit that Kim Kardashian bit. She can't be on the fumble, Why? Simon. Can oh, we edit no. that high five that we did as well in the background? It's visual gag. It doesn't work on the radio. It's fine. Because we always assess games when we first see them announced. And you go, they're no good. Oh, that's no good. Oh, I like that. But one. they're all panning out. Exactly. But this year, they're really panning out. So you looked at Tennessee, you weren't quite sure. Tennessee against the Chargers. It's a really good game now, bearing in mind where they both are in, in the context of the season. If they both win this weekend, it will be the first time ever in all of our London games we've had a game between two teams with winning records. We've never had that before. There you go. Oh, what? Yeah. Another, another high five. high five. Yeah. Brilliant. Closest we ever came was 2011. Four and two Buccaneers against the three and three Bears. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 
A little bit later on, I'm going to be talking to Jacob Green, iconic defensive end. Yes. For the Seattle Seahawks, uh, but you had a proper serious chat with Walter Jones from the Seahawks. I did. He, he was great. I, I, he was massive. All right, well, like it, as you said, he's huge. Let's have a listen. Walter, tell me about the London experience. I think it's the first time you've <laughs> been here. How have you found it? Uh, it's, it's been great. I got a chance to get out on a Thursday to do some pictures, take some pictures of some of the landmarks. But the, the best has been able to have fun with a lot of the uh, – I'm, I'm friends with the, the UK Seahawkers, so they've been out to Seattle a couple of times. So when this game came, came about – they were looking forward to me coming out here and having a good time. So I've been hanging out with those guys and a lot of the Seahawks fans, and it's been amazing. I can't help but notice this gigantic ring yep. that you have on your left hand, mm-hmm. which is gold and diamonds and blue, and it's your Hall of Fame ring, which you go through a sporting career and there are certain things that you earn the mm-hmm. hard way, and that is something that you earn the hard way. That must be one of the most special things that you, you possess. Oh, It definitely is. Uh, it's one of those things where... Uh, you play this game and you play it because you love it and you play it because you want the respect of your peers. But any time that you can uh, be amongst uh, some of the elite players and you're, you're in that group, that's a, a major accomplishment. And it's been fun, man. I think it's great that I'm still a fan of some of the players that are in this elite class. And for me to, to go out and to play the game at a very high level and consistently for a long time is, is pretty amazing. It was a career that, that, that lasted a long time, as you say, and was played at the very highest level. I read some really interesting quotes this week um, about you, and I'm pretty sure that they're all right. John Madden, I think, in 2004, <laughs> described you as the best offensive player in the whole of the National Football League. And Mike Holmgren, your coach for a period of time, said that you were the best offensive player that he coached. And this is someone that coached Brett Favre, Joe Montana, and Steve Young. When you hear those kind of things, and those accolades are spoken about, and those kind of words are said how does that make you feel about what you achieved <laughs> it makes me feel good I think uh, I look at it as um, I did it the right way uh, I think for me I I appreciate those words and I, I, I'm grateful that when a, a younger kid see me uh, they can learn some from that and I just always tell them you know that guy did it the right way so I know every time I stepped on the field I tried to compete I try to be the best on the field. I think every guy does that, but that's something that I always wanted to do was try to go out and, and try to be the best at my craft. What's the key to being an offensive lineman? What You need strength and size, clearly, but people always talk to me about feet and balance and that well, kind of thing. It's definitely, you need that feet and balance, and you have to be smart, too. I think, it's, I think a lot of times uh, you have to be a, a student of the game and know how to uh, watch film and knowing how what's going on during the game. A lot of times you don't get that from a lot of players but for me I definitely wanted to be a student I wanted to try to try to outthink those people and think what they're going to do not in the first quarter but what they're going to do in the fourth quarter so I think for you know like you say you need size you need strength you need good feet all that stuff comes into to uh, uh, come to in the game but still again I think it's more about being a student of the game and and understanding your craft. I suppose the size and strength can be a natural thing that you're either big or you're not, and then you can work at it. But those other intangibles, what do you do to make sure that, that, that you can bring the balance and the feet and all that kind of thing to the game? Because I suppose you can have a blank canvas, you can have a big guy, but he might not make a top-class offensive lineman. Exactly, and I think it's coming when eating right, uh, uh, standing in the weight room, uh, 
a lot of that, like I said earlier, just being a student of the game and, and understanding that, you know, the first thing you learn is all about leverage. It's all about, like, from, from, from the first time I started playing football, it was all about the, the low man win. So that's something that I often took into my training is trying to stay low and, and coming off the ball. So, that, like you say, it's, it's a league situation and it's something that you, you learn and you find out at a young age that you can do it better than uh, the average players. And, and that kind of, it grows with you in, in every stage of your, your life. Your career would indicate that the answer to this question is not very many, but were there players that you knew you were going to face during the course of the season and you thought, oh, not him? Uh, a lot, of, a lot of guys. I think, I think once your name got out there, that oh, this guy's this, this, this. Those guys gave you your A game. I kind of like, you know, a team that have won the Super Bowl the year, the next year, the team that they think they can win against. You can't because those guys give you your A game. But you know, I can name some guys. Derek Thomas, guys. I, I was, I fear when I first got in the league because those guys was household names, guy that you watched on TV. Uh, Bruce Smith. You know, those guys. I feared them because. I didn't want those guys to get sacks on me because those are the guys that set the standard in the league at the time. What's the dynamic like when you're on the field? Do you do you talk to the man that you're up against? Do you smile and pat each other on the back at the end of a play? Or is there genuine animosity between the two of you for the 60 minutes? I think it's all respect. I think uh, me personally, I don't. I try not to use that type of energy. I wasn't a talker on the field. Uh, but, you know, you respect the, 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 your opponent. I learned that early in the league that you had to respect every guy and the guy that you're going against because this guy is, is, is playing for his, his livelihood. So I respect every guy I went against. But for me, I wanted to dominate that guy in front of me. That was my job, to keep him off the quarterback, uh, keep him from making tackles. So I enjoy being a part of that. And a final one, what would the dynamic be like blocking for the current Seattle quarterback Russell Wilson because he's not an authentic drop back passer he likes to move around back there does that set a different set of problems for the people in front of him to make sure that he gets the right kind of protection if he is going to freelance in that way I think so but I think with any quarterback I think as as offensive line the way that we practice we 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 practice a traditional quarterback you're in the pocket so we have to protect but you know once he get out the pocket you know we were told that you know we have to help out but he understands that you're on your own when we get to that point but he, he's such a, a great athlete that can get away and make plays. So you have to you have to almost be scared sometimes, but still understand that that's what he does as a player. All right, so there you go. That's Darren having a proper serious chat with uh, Walter Jones of the Seahawks. Nice guy, lovely guy, really, really, really good guy. Um, that was my one. Now we're going to hear you now with Jacob Green. Yeah. Now listen, how awkward. This it's not an interview; it's a chat. But just listen it's to. It's not a chat. What is it? It was. It was a. It was me going down memory lane because I've actually met Jacob Green before, and he was a little bit scared as to how, where, when, and why I'd met him because it, it, it really didn't come up on his radar. I'd actually marked his card before you got there, and when you walked in the room, he looked and went, "Is that him?" Yeah. I went, yeah, because I think he was at... Because you said to him, that's him. He was fearing the worst. Because of what I told him, and you're about, on this, you're about to hear what I told him, I'd forewarned him. He was a bit nervous as to what you'd be like. I think he had lower expectations. I think he thought I'd be comic book guy from The Simpsons. I think he expected there to be a certain amount of saliva going down your jumper. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, here it is. So uh, we're backstage in the green room. Uh, Darren's about to host uh, an afternoon with the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. And I'm with Jacob Green. Uh, former Seahawk, alumni of the Seahawks. And Jacob, you don't really know this, but we have met before. I've just shown you a picture of a 16-year-old me at the Seahawks facility way back in 1990, 1991, I think it was. 
Okay, and this is when we first met. I have the Seattle Seahawks official 1991 yearbook uh-huh. signed by the one and only. <laughs> ready? It's coming. I'm ready. It's coming. Jacob Green. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was in 19... Yeah, I remember that. I remember that yearbook. Yeah. I remember that picture. Yeah, 91. What makes me feel really old now. I know. But look, I, I was such a nerd as a kid. I got Tom Flores. Chuck Knox is signing. Chuck Knox, well. yep, that's great. That's a great. I, I like though. Jacob's moustache right. on the picture. Yeah. <laughs> so, sorry to put in. But look, but look <laughs> just quickly, one last thing. This is my French studies book with wow. a poster of yourself sacking Jim Plunkett. Wow. Wow. Uh, that, when I was 13. That was um, <laughs> now that, that's unbelievable. That's that scary, right? That is. That's. I, I, I did tell you. you did I did tell me. you, and you didn't believe me, no, but you no. do now. I got to take a picture of that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was when I was thirteen. So that that's nineteen eighty. What was it? Eighty eight, eighty nine. It was eighty eight, eighty seven. Yeah. 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 That's pretty. Cool. That's hilarious. That's so you sat with me through French class. That's you don't even know you. The whole time. Yeah. See. Right. Sorry. Yes, of course. Yeah, but how cool is that? That's really cool. That's cool. You know what? I I actually have that one there. But that that's pretty cool though. The second one you got there, I like that. Nice to meet you again. Nice to meet you. Good to see you again. <laughs> you yeah, now get taken back on that one there. That's uh, that's quite the uh, quite the picture, quite the story there. <laughs> Tell my grandkids that one. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. It's a bit weird, and, and as you could hear, he was being dragged away by the stage manager before he went on stage and chatted to you for UK uh, NFL UK live. But what we'll do is on our Twitter, we'll post pictures of my uh, year three yes. high school uh, French book, uh, the 1991 yearbook that I got from the Seahawks, and my retro Seahawks baseball cap, which I've is signed by this. Dave Craig and I've Steve Largent. This. Yeah. I've seen this. Yeah, look at this. Old school. Oh, there we go. Yeah, it's a bit floppy because it's been in the wash a couple of times. They're, they're, they're a bit faded because... Oh, uh, I see them. Yeah, they're in there. Oh, they're, they're in there. Yeah. Dave Craig, Steve Largent. Oh, yeah. There's some more. Classic. On that bombshell... <laughs> I think that's where this episode of The Fumble ends. Got to say, Dave, thank you very much uh, for sitting and chatting. Yeah, my pleasure. It's the first time we've actually sat and had a proper chat, you know, like an organised conversation instead of, Dave, uh, get us a couple of tickets, mates. Please, please. Well, I'm about to do that because I'm going off in November. So, Dave, I really like Dave's card. Can I just say as well, while we're on, you know, while you're here, will you just apologise again to Alistair for me about the Lawrence? He's Club? really ner- nervous about that. But I saw him earlier. I saw him earlier. I said, hey, what's this? No need to be. No, no. I think you were stirring it. Yeah, you'll be fine. I think you were stirring uh, it. Just don't expect the Christmas card. <laughs> exactly. But Dave, thanks again. My pleasure. Thanks Enjoy again. It. So uh, this has been a Shooting Shark production. You know what to do. <laughs> Subscribe, rate, 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 and review. Review. Yeah. Stars. Uh, Only one review on there, I think. Yeah, I think that's my daughter, Phoebe. Is, yeah. yeah. Uh, All right, thanks very much. We'll see you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.